0: Say goodbye to write Your horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code Founder for ten dollars off your first ride. Mirror, you twist my mind I don't know who I am. Mirror, Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion podcast. I am joined today by a very special guest. Uh, welcome, Matt Scott, to the show. How are you Pete? I am great. Thank you for coming on uh, for those that don 't know. Uh, I just wanted to go through your bio so you are um, you are a writer um you used to have a column with the guardian back in the day, the digger you 're now you now the data guy um for TalkSport. sport you you 're an analyst actually when I first heard you um way back in the day, um, I used to catch you on the early breakfast shows um so, the Good times. Um, you're a football consultant, you're an entrepreneur, uh, you've got Arsenal blood in the family, am I correct?
1: Yes, yes, yes. All well, uh, that actually that's that's a bit of a disputed story. That, that um, there was a William Scott who came out of Woolwich who played for Arsenal, Woolwich Arsenal. Um, he was uh, on Broad Street in, in Woolwich. And uh, that was where my my uh, my great great grandfather came from. Um, and then uh, this was this was come, handed down the family was the uh, the story that, that this guy played for Arsenal. I checked it out with Arsenal's Arsenal's historian and said, uh, "This is my great great grandfather, William Scott. Here's his birth certificate. Here's where he lived on the census record. This is uh, you know is it the same the one and the same bloke? He said, "Well, it certainly seems to be." Uh then I, the guys um who were doing that book, The Arsenal History, well, um uh Andy Kelly and, and the other fellas, they looked into it and apparently this bloke actually came down from Scotland, played for Nottingham Forest and uh and then joined joined Arsenal. So it wasn't the same man. So regrettably, um I am not uh somebody of Arsenal direct Arsenal lineage, but I am somebody who uh, uh whose great great grandfather shared a name and lived two doors down the
0: <laughs> road. Right. <laughs> like who did. So you nearly yeah. you, you were nearly Arsenal DNA. Yeah. But you but yeah, you are absolutely. but you are an Arsenal fan.
1: Well to be fair, the old man does have a letter at home inviting him to uh, to, to uh, trial with Arsenal, so uh, uh, twice a nearly man. Twice a nearly, twice a nearly man twice <laughs>
0: nearly man. Lovely. And uh so you go you go to, do you still go to the Arsenal games have you got your, your ticket there still
1: i I did have my season ticket we moved out of London to the Cotswolds um, four or five years ago no six or seven years ago and uh unfortunately I' have to give it up because my own boys have got quite promising football careers um in the football League academy system so I'm not Actually, able to go and watch the Arsenal directly because um, when I've taken them to their footballing mornings on the Saturday and Sunday, uh, there's, I just couldn't get into London. So, so your third and final uh, roll of the dice not,
0: is is yeah, get the kids in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, third time lucky, maybe. Who knows? I'm, yeah, I'm could take them back.
0: Feeling good for you. <laughs> feeling good for you. Uh, and just um just for those um listening at home, Matt is a proper fan. I have I have never had problems going out um, around Arsenal, but we went to the Tollington once and somebody threw a bottle at me from across the bar and uh, you, you went over and sorted it out for me. So, um, fun, fun story. Uh, so, there's lots of exciting stuff going on in this international week. Um, it's usually a very difficult one to write for, um, but the, the start of the season... Actually, it's been quite interesting with Arsenal since, um, since Raul opened the checkbook... Um, mm. Way back when. But before we get into the good stuff, or um, well, not so good stuff that's been going on, um, Arsene Wenger uh, thought that he was in for a role at Bayern Munich last week. He, um, mm. he was heavily linked. Uh, Honigstein came out and said, I- I'm not sure that he's on the shortlist. And then it, the job seemed to get rescinded, but Wenger spoke to Bayern. And then yesterday, out of the blue, he's landed, uh, he's landed the big one. He's running FIFA. Um, you've got quite a lot of expertise in and around um, the organisation of FIFA. Like, what, what, what's going on? What is that What is that job he's taking no, they, on?
1: They basically, well, they've created a role for him, and I'm not really sure how big a deal this really is. Johnny Infantino is somebody who likes to, uh, to sprinkle himself in stardust, likes to associate himself with the big names of football because it's, it's good PR for him. Um, you know, his, his long-standing relationship with Luis Figo. He's got these, uh, these FIFA legends program that he's created. Um, and if you watch the, the video news release that, that, that FIFA put out, which has an interview from Arsene, with Arsene in it, um, you sort of get the impression that, that Arsene was like, well, hold on a second, why should this only be for the players? why can't I have them? some position within FIFA. I can't get a job in football, so so let me have something. Maybe I'm being a little unkind to him. Maybe, maybe I'm reading too much in between the lines. But certainly, when you listen to what he has to say, that certainly was the impression I was left with. Um, because the role, it doesn't... It, it's never existed before. FIFA, you know, is head of... Global, global Chief of Football Development. It's, football Development, as far as FIFA is concerned, has always been about throwing money at at football associations around the world under the set batter regime very often that was politically motivated. Right. Um whether or not this does mean that they're going to be professionalizing that system, possibly. But then Artin Wenger's skill set doesn't it isn't one for you know, doing major public procurement projects. That's not <laughs> that's not it's his nice role. Cup of tea, and that's no. what that's what it should be. If that's what you are going to continue to do, um, he's talking about in very wishy-washy terms, improving the efficiency of coaching around the world. He's talking about, you know, improving uh, men's and women's football because women's football is a major deal now. Well, you know, when he was Arsenal manager, Arsenal's most successful team was the women's team, and after Vic Akers won the quadruple with the women's team. Um, Arsene Wenger told him he had to concentrate on being the kit man instead. Um, so he had to relinquish that role. So I'm not right. sure he's got a particularly brilliant track record with women's football either. So, I mean, look, there's a lot of people who will be really excited for him and it's fantastic that he's now relevant again in football. Um, I think that, you know, Arsenal people, have, the, 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 the world has lost a tremendous amount of knowledge through through. The way Arsenal people have been left behind after leaving the club, and I'm thinking most, first and foremost, of David Dean with this. Um, so, you know, it can only be a good thing that he remains engaged with the game. But as far as I, as far as my, my suspicion, given that I have followed Fitness Fortunes for a very, very long time throughout my journalistic career, my suspicion is that this is just a PR move for Johnny for Infantino. So, don't don't wait with bated breath for any huge developments uh, led by Arsene Wenger. I, mean, I hope I'm proved wrong. I doubt it. I seldom am about faithful, regrettably.
0: I, I, I was a little bit surprised that a man of um, Arsene Wenger's stature and values and ethics and morals and all of that wants to associate himself so closely with I mean arguably the most corrupt organization in the western world mm. um what what is your take on that is he going is he the good guy going in there to, to clean you know to, to break it from within or do you just get to, no. you just get to a point <laughs> like what how do you you can't fix FIFA can you no 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 well yes you can but FIFA is, is there is no intention to fix
1: FIFA um it, impossible to
0: fix it under it's, it's run by so, sorry Matt could you top. um could you could you just stop there for one second I uh I accidentally unplugged mm, you sure. um so so can, <laughs> can you fix FIFA from within?
1: Uh, Well, you can, but I don't think there's any appetite to. Certainly not under Gianni Infantino. Um, It's a it's a deeply political organisation. It's only become more so under Infantino than before. I mean, a lot of the the the, the internal uh, compliance methods that were introduced after Blatter or, or by Blatter towards the end of his regime actually have been stripped away under Infantino, and I would say that there is less. Scrutiny on FIFA now than there ever has been before. Uh, it's a politically motivated thing, as I say. But if you think about it rationally, FIFA has a, a, a an illegitimate role within football. If you think that any, if you look at the football economy, it's got it's got a number of pillars. It's got the the, the land, which is the stadium. It's got the labour, which are the players. It's got the capital, which is the broadcasters who pay. The money into the football club, the, spon- the the sponsors who do that, yeah, and the land is the is the clubs and, and their stadiums. so those are the three main pillars of of, of any uh, economy, and those are how they break down in football. You've got a fourth element which is the regulator, which is FIFA, the global regulator, but that's also a commercial participant that demands the use of the land. And Labour, every four years for its for its World Cup tournament, it's now going to be doing that even more with its club World Cup tournament, so that it can then draw capital towards it. How can a regulator of any of any economy act in that way? You know, it'd be like having Ofcom shut down the TV once every four years, not to have Gary Lineker and every other major face from TV operate on their FIFA channel, or, or, sorry, on their Ofcom channel for 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 four weeks every four years and for all of the money that accrues within the broadcasting environment to go to Ofcom. I mean, uh, it just wouldn't work, would it? We'd all, we'd all think that was an outrageous thing to happen. But that's the way that FIFA is.
0: Why do you think clubs continue with it? Well, I, I would always look at it. I mean, it's it's so grotesque what goes on over there. And, um, you know, you've got all of these billionaires that are that are buying into football now and they have to send... I mean, what we're in our third international break of the season. I'm sure that there will be some injuries Mm. um, that could, Mm. you know, rock big club seasons. You know, even even the issue that Sterling's going through at the moment, um, you know, he goes away on international break. He has an argument... Now everybody's um, focusing in on him and his attitude. Like, this is the sort of thing that could, you know, offset his form a little bit. Why, why, do, why do clubs continue to allow this to happen? Or is it just because?
1: Because it's the regulator. <laughs> they, they're forced to. So you, I mean, can't,
0: that, you know, we, no they could never do a breakaway? Or that would be more dangerous for well, us?
1: That, that is a... You know, football is so... The, the, the current status quo of football is so entrenched. That I, I don't see anybody being able to, to, to do that on a, on a grand scale what, what they end up doing and, and this this is sort of the, the muddling reforms that the, the, the big clubs seek you know because it's always the biggest clubs who who pr- provide the players to the, the World Cup tournament Um Those clubs are are obviously making noises about breakaways every single time, hovering with their fingers over the nuclear button, and there are concessions made by the football establishment each time UEFA does what they want to, they capitulate over Juventus' demands for for a a more integrated European Champions League, that that kind of thing. Actually, the rest of the clubs, particularly the English clubs, pushed back against that, but... You know, this is what happens: is the clubs now have this very powerful lobby, and, and by incremental reforms, they are able to, to to push back against things. But what what FIFA has done, and this is a, again a political masterstroke by Gianni Infantino, is he's created his own Club World Cup, and embraced the biggest clubs around the world. To you know the Barcelona's, the Bayern Munich, the 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 Real Madrids, and said, look, you can have an enormous amount of money that I'm going to raise from uh, from the Far East and from Saudi Arabia, from SoftBank, um, and pour that into into your coffers, but also retain a lot of it for for myself. Um, and they get bought off. I mean, it's as simple as that. It is just a question of greed and money. I mean, you know, were you to redesign the football? Uh, the, the the football uh, firmament from from the bottom up, it certainly wouldn't look like it does now. But but unfortunately, this is as I say, such an entrenched thing that that you end up with this muddle, this this system that that benefits only those really, only those at the very very top, and uh, the, the apex of all of them, that pyramid is. Is is Johnny Infantino? Whether or not his Club World Cup will come off, though, given the problems that SoftBank now have over all of their technology investments, SoftBank money,
0: <laughs> so, SoftBank mm. money is not a, is not a sure bet. Uh, living in a no, WeWork really, and Uber it? world, oh my God, it's,
1: absolutely right. Yeah, it's would, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tarnished brand now. But then, you know, my my Toshi Son lost lost billions and billions of dollars in the dot com crash. The fact that people have been handing in billions and billions of dollars to make technology investments now in rather a frothy bubble period makes uh, very little sense to me.
0: Yeah, Adam Newman uh, certainly done well out of it. That's for
1: sure. Oh, absolutely. He just cashed in cast at the first opportunity. Five hundred million. But, sorry, yeah, five hundred million dollars of Uber shares.
0: Almost a two hundred uh, million dollar consultancy fee. Imagine that yeah. the 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 neck sure. the necker the neck on him. Um, so back back to Arsene Wenger. Um, just before we move on to the the, the next section, uh, mm. he's uh, he's an established guy. He had a he had a few rough seasons, but generally, you know, he kept a, he kept Arsenal in the in the top four. He's charismatic, you know, he's a very yeah. interesting guy. He's a good figurehead. Yeah. Why do you think he struggled so badly to? To get even a sniff at a top job in football, because let's be real, the FIFA is not what he wanted, right? He wanted to be back at the no, has in the dugout.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because well, it's because of his delivery. I mean, his, his, you know, his, his actual meeting of his performance targets has been has been really poor. If you're if you're looking at, it at the very highest elite level, he he sees himself as the Real Madrid manager in waiting as he was in the early 2000s. That's the way his self-image still is. And that's, you know, that's, that's natural that people should have that kind of a, a, of a self-regard and somebody of Arsene Wenger's stature and achievements. But actually, if you really drill it into what are the KPIs at the very highest level of, of, of those elite clubs, the Bayern Munich, the, the Real Madrid to ease to, Succeed at the very highest level of European club competition, and he has demonstrably failed in that. Um, given he has only one single European Cup final appearance, a runners up medal to, to, to show for all those years 21 years of, of what, what was it, 20 odd 19, 19 years, I believe, of consecutive uh qualification for, for the Champions League group stages, you know, that conversion rate is. Zero. So, you know, I I think there are an, an, a huge number of mitigating circumstances for that. I think it's been very very hard for English clubs in general, but Arsenal in particular do compete in that competition. I think that you know the fact is he he always had one of the best first eleven in the game. Certainly up until uh, certainly up until the Invincibles period, and, you know they were fantastic, but he never had. The, the 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 level of investment to create a squad that was capable of competing on several fronts, playing against teams like Real Madrid who could rest their entire first team if they were playing Sporting Key con or on or Southwell from one week to the next. You know, was, the level of competition domestically wasn't comparable to, to that of the Premier League where they're in lumps kicked out by Stoke and Burnley and um, um, Bolton, excuse me. No, apologies, Burnley fans. Um you know, so that was that was never going to be possible. So I, 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 th- I think there are very good reasons why he didn't, and particularly as Arsenal's injury record, Dunwender, was just so atrocious when compared to, to, to those of his peers. So that's why it never worked for him. Um, but, you know, I don't think when you're looking at it through the eyes of a, of a recruiter, a, a president of Bayern Munich or, or Barcelona or Real Madrid, I don't think you'd consider those because you would have to look at it through the prism of a fan in the stands who would get quickly impatient with a man who didn't instantly deliver Champions League success.
0: Yeah, you do do wonder whether the story would be different if, like Alex Ferguson, he would have reworked his backroom team. You know, like the the injury crisis. You know, he, he didn't he didn't bring in a, a strength and conditioning coach that was qualified until what 2014. Yeah. I mean, you just imagine, like just just a few tweaks, like uh, you know, post 2006, and maybe there would have been a, a couple of additional league titles. Um, just a, a bit of introspection and a, a bit of a build out of that backroom staff, and you you wonder you wonder whether he would have got a taste for you know bringing in new talent, but. He was very, uh, you know, my way or the highway, wasn't he? And that's come back to bite him hard in the end.
1: Well, he he was the most alpha of all the alphas. I mean, he he he, you know, refused to 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 take any advice from from outside sources. I think he's a you know he's a very urbane and sophisticated gentleman, and I, I always loved his company. I had a tremendous privilege of of his company for, for, for many years, but. Um, I I also saw his very many flaws as a manager. I think you've identified the biggest of them was his refusal to de- delegate. I mean, the creative destruction within Manchester United that, that Sir Alex Ferguson effected was was outstanding. He you know he he made sure that the, that the environment for his players was constantly refreshed. I mean, I likened Arsene Wenger actually to Stelios Hadjianu, who who was the founder of EasyJet, and what he did was extraordinary. He made a FTSE 100 um, airline company from just one single plane. And, you know, I think that's what Arsene Wenger did. And ultimately, Delios Hadjianu was voted out by his shareholders because he was still micromanaging his FTSE 100 company as if it were... A, 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 a micro cap company, and I think when he took over Arsenal in an environment where there was only one mega club in the land, you know the the other mega club was in seemingly terminal decline, from which they've still not recovered. Liverpool, you know, ultimately by winning that that, that title that's eluded them since Arsenal, you know, were were the next team to to win it after them in in 1991. You know, it, it was a it was a different environment and he created a duopoly where there risked being a monopoly from because it was an environment that that, that could facilitate that by being the, the biggest club in London. Um but he continued to operate when it became this European mega club with a huge five hundred million pound stadium, you know, he he still operated it. With the whistle in his mouth on the training ground, which Sir Alex Ferguson would never have done, you know, still being the the, the chief scout, still being the, the the lead analyst, such as he was, you know, there were there was no real data department under Arsene Wenger to speak of, not one that was. Not one that was one used. To to. Yeah. No, no, not you know, video analysis wasn't used. You know, all of these these modern tools, he would do all of the contracts for all of the players. You know, he would he would design the stadium as its architect. You know, there were so many different. Things. He was spread far too thin and he couldn't prioritise uh, what was right for, for that role. And so if you actually look at his experience and the way that, that, that he has operated in that enormous role, role that outgrew him and his, his ability to deliver, given his refusal to, to adapt, He's absolutely the worst person to have as your chief of football development for FIFA because all he wants to do is is be one man doing everything. And he won't be able to.
0: Yeah, something very interesting in Wenger taking on a technical role considering how
1: how lacking
0: in technical prowess he was by the end of his career.
1: Totally, totally. Given uh, given that technicals and technology had, had vaulted beyond... Him and, and his ability
0: to live. So I, I did think it was quite interesting last season. I mean, obviously he's putting his name out there in the press with his um, you know continual flow of international break be in sports segments. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I read a, I read a story. Uh, it was Jurgen Klopp, and he said, you know, who would have known uh, five years ago that you know you, basically your best friend in the training ground is you know the strength and conditioning coach like i have i listened to yeah. him i you know he he dictates to me what happens and then a few weeks yeah. later wenger came out and he said you know too much listening to the data guy the data guys think they run football now yeah. and it's like come on yeah. arsene this is you know this is data yeah. to help and you still see it as um, some sort of a, a front to your to your to your gut feel yeah, and,
1: and you know, therein lies another reason why he's not—he's he's not, being regarded as, as as a man of uh, you know a different era, a dinosaur. If I, should, you know, I shouldn't use that phrase, but, but really, you know, that's that's what's cost him his his opportunities at, at the very highest level with the Barnes and the, and the and the, the Barcelonas and the Real Madrid since leaving Arsenal.
0: And you know, I don't want to be ageist out here, but like it's very difficult to remain curious. Uh, uh, um, relevant mm. in your in your seventies. I mean, like that's that, mm. that's not that's not most people's peak. Um, I think that mm. you know, when you look at what Alex Ferguson did, it like every year that goes past, just to 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 always be able to look inside and say, I I we could be doing this better. I could I could be learning more. I mean, just what what an incredible figure he was in the game.
1: Yes, 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 yeah. yes. But he was a. He had an enormous number of flaws as well, but, but all of those flaws were channelled towards winning. Um, I question whether or not that were with Arsene Wenger. I think he grew comfortable with comfort, um, and I think he prioritised that, making the lives of his players comfortable over winning. And uh, that was the fundamental difference between transfer Ferguson and Wenger. I mean, Ferguson... Had some egregious flaws um, that Wenger didn't share, but Wenger had some fatal flaws that Ferguson didn't share, and it meant that one of them was immensely more successful than the other.
0: And that uh, that's a nice uh, a nice segue into um, the next section of the podcast. Uh, I don't even know where to start um, because. It's it, it because it, it's it seems.
1: I laugh because I know what the next
0: section of the podcast is. Yeah, it's um I I've titled it Unai Emery. What are we seeing? But I I I think the everything that's going on at Arsenal goes far deeper than just the man who's mm. sitting in the dugout at the moment. Um, because uh, I think we're starting to see cracks in uh in Don Raul's um reputation, or we're we're starting to see some. Uh, We're starting to see a different type of Arsenal in a post-Ivan Gazidis world. Like the PR is starting to struggle a little bit. We're doing some things that don't really marry up to Arsenal values, Um, and it looks like we're making some mistakes when we're looking at potential replacements. So, but we should just start on on the football. Um, Unai Emery came to Arsenal from PSG. Um, You know, he came he came with the the ambition of being the protagonist. Um, We were looking forward to pressing football. Um, and hopefully a, a, a sturdier defence. We're in year two; it's been a bad start to the season. So, like Matt, I know that you've you've been a big supporter of Unai Emery. Um, mm. Like, what do what, what do you how do you see it um, at the moment? Now we're uh, you know in our third international break, break, and we've got a little bit of time for reflection.
1: Um, whatever I say, given given that I did know Mike and asked about Unai Emery, I was with the appointment I thought I thought it was a really sound progressive appointment um, I think that his record stands up to tremendous scrutiny at uh, psg uh, and at Sevilla. I mean it's you know as I'm fond of saying he he won three european club uh, trophies with uh, Seville who aren't even the biggest club in Seville you know I, mean, I think that was a remarkable achievement yeah um what what he did at PSg people have Laughed at him for that 190 minutes of, of disaster against Barcelona. Well, overlooking the fact that they 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 beat them 4-0 in the first leg. Um, there were a number of uh, problems with the uh, with the refereeing that I thought were questionable on the day. But again, that's that seems like excuses. But I think I think it's important to swing the pendulum the other way when. People are so disparaging of, of those 90 minutes. And his failure to win the league uh, in his first season with PhD when you know people say, well, how can you not, when, when he had that embarrassment of riches at his disposal? Well, people actually assessed how good Monaco were that year. They <laughs> had an unbelievable football team that, that, that was just extraordinary. So, you know, I, I was surprised that Monaco won the league that year.
0: Arguably, so, you know, that like it, that Monaco team played some of the most spectacular football I've seen in the last oh, ten years anywhere. Yeah, like unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they were complete. They 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 had in every position, they had talent everywhere. Um, uh, you know, and man for man, were a better team than PSG. However, the expensively assembled the PSG team was, man for man, the Monaco side was better. So you know, generally speaking. When you've got a side that is better than the other team, they tend to win. I think that's what we saw uh, on Saturday when Leicester beat Arsenal. You know um, that that Leicester team has underperformed the the quality of its its component parts for uh, some time under um, He didn't get a tune out of them, and you know people will say that. Arsenal should be getting you know Emery should be getting a better tune out of this Arsenal team but I don't think that a lot of the factors that I view as mitigating for on Emery were shared by Leicester I mean and certainly not now I mean Leicester have the best striker in the Premier League on current form no one can touch him I mean he's he's shot conversion rate Jamie Vardy is 45.5% that is unbelievable when you're looking at uh, you know, if you think of a a test cricketer, if he's if he's bowling, getting a wicket within you know, thirty runs, if his bowling average is thirty, then he's good. If his batting average is is forty, then he's good. Um, <laughs> this guy, you know, Premier League. If your if your shot conversion rate is twenty percent, you're good. You are really good. That, and actually, that is the average at the moment for the top strikers in the Premier League. Some are above it, some are below it. But take Jamie Vardy out and it drops below that because Jamie Vardy's is more than double that. And that is an unbelievable statistic. In the centre of midfield, they've got Wilfred Ndidi who makes eight, nine ball recuperations every single game.
0: He is an animal, isn't he? My God, watching he's him power, watching him power through Chilwell in the game. No, he doesn't care. Colo yeah. Touré Absolutely. in his peak. <laughs>
1: He—that's th- th- precisely who he is. You know, Patrick Vieira is the closest thing to Patrick Vieira. Okay, I mean, he's even getting your goal as well. Like Patrick Vieira used to. You know, what I mean, I, I think you know, people can laugh at me, and they have done on Twitter for for, for what I've saying, But I, I think that given that he would improve literally any team in the Premier League. There's no one else you can you can say that of. I think there are so so many other players that that, that, that you know are equivalent to each other. So for Salah, you've got Sterling. For 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 Mane, you've got Bernardo Silva. You know, you can run through the, the the list of the best players in the league, and there is an equivalent somewhere. But in terms of a holding midfielder. You know, Golo say maybe will come back and be the player he was in 2015, 16. I don't know, but he's, he's had that injury. I discount Kevin De Bruyne because I do think he is also head and shoulders best than anybody else in what he does, but he too has suffered injury problems. This guy, at 23 years old, he's the player Arsenal should have had. If Arsenal had a holding midfielder like him, then I think you know all these defensive problems that, that we keep talking about would would have they would never have been exposed in the manner that they have done. And, and that's why I truly believe that Unai Emery hasn't had a full deck of cards with which to play yet. You know, he's, he's, he's been deprived of, of through the, through transfer market misallocation of funds and through an horrific run of injuries. He's, He's had a set of circumstances that no other top manager in the Premier League has had to suffer. You know, you take Fabinho out of, out of Liverpool, are they the same team? No. Take Fernandinho out of Manchester United, Manchester City, provably last season they were not the same team. You know, every single team in the current top eight, except Arsenal, has that kind of player. Arsenal have had Xhaka, somebody absolutely incapable. Of providing the, the defensive screen that every modern Premier League defence requires, and every modern Premier League defence receives. You know, even Burnley for Ashley Westwood. You know, I could list I could list any number of players at every single club where you know Huddersfield had Philip Billing last year, and now Bournemouth have got him, and they are performing fantastically in in that role. You know, he is excellent at it. Him, Diego Rico, win the ball back all the time for the Bournemouth. They, they, they've had more clean sheets now than they have had virtually their entire Premier League existence. This is fundamental to the way the game is played, and we don't have one. Lucas Serrera was, was purchased as that that player, and very obviously he can't do it because he lacks the tactical discipline. He he doesn't stay in that role, and I think the reason also for that, that he's given a bit more freedom, is because... He, he doesn't have the physical presence required in that role. You know, I mean, he's he's tiny. He, he would he would be bouncing off your well, not ploughing through
0: him. Do you not think that there is um there is a counter argument? that you know, Unai Emery had a you know a powerful midfielder in Aaron Ramsey last season, and he, he he dropped him until it was too late. And then this season, although I am one hundred percent behind your assessment of Jack, or I think he's a a car crash of a player. Emery kind of went out of his way to make him the captain and, uh, you know, almost a centrepiece for a team um, when really we should have been looking to move him on um, in, the, in the summer. Like, you know, he's he's consistently been a bad player. It isn't just this season. It just appears to have come to a bit of a crescendo. Um, but, like, Emery, Emery picks those players. And, you know, I, I, think, I think the Jacker point, Jacker isn't... Um, isn't somebody that he's having to deal with. It's somebody that he obviously sees as a, a key component of his setup. And then yeah, and then I, maybe with the and, and Jamie Vardy, don't get me wrong, like one of the all-time greats in the Premier League, incredible player, um, underrated in reputation compared to someone like uh, Alan Shearer, even though you know the things that he've done have way surpassed him. But um, you know, Obama Yang is also an, an incredible striker um, that I, I don't feel we service in the way that we could so you know there's there's like for like there are indeed we don't have um, we don't have a counter um, to that but like we still have a the, the deck of cards that Unai has is still quite an impressive squad
1: um Right. Okay. There's a lot there. Um, Aaron Ramsey isn't that kind of player. Yes. Okay. He's physical. He's a box-to-box player. He can get forward well. He's not somebody who can offer that defensive screen. Somebody who does that real. It requires a special level of tactical discipline to be able to stand in front of your your defence and drop into that defence. Actually, at times, Um, you need to be a a mobile, highly mobile um, centre back. Who is brilliant on the ball. Um, that is what that role is. And Arsenal don't have that player. I mean, David Luiz could have done it, but he's, you know, he's been too far into his 30s, not mobile enough, never was quick enough. So that's why he played further back. Um, you know, Arsenal don't have that player. Um, Bamiyang and Vardy comparisons. Well, Bamiang isn't a centre forward. He can't hold the ball up. Um, he's, he's, He's quick, but he doesn't press in the same way as a Vardy does, and that is, again, or a Lacazette does. You know, that is, again, a, a fundamental uh, a prerequisite of that position. If Aubameyang's not getting you his goal a game, then he's not doing a very great deal else. At the moment, he's averaging a goal every you know, 0.7 of a game. He's scoring 70% of his, uh, well, he's got you know, seven goals in, in ten games, isn't it? I think. Um, so you know, he's not, he's he's not delivering the the, the rate of goals that, that Vardy is. He's got 11 from 12, I think. Um, so, but Vardy also adds an awful lot more. I think actually, if 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 in 2016 Arsenal had been able to deliver Vardy. And Riyad Mahrez, as, as they had tried to do, then history would have been very, very different. You know, they wouldn't have been pouring £100 million in cash down, down the toilet with, with Shaka and Squadron Mustafi. You know, that, that those panic buys where they had all that money, they felt like they had to do something because, you know, there was an awful lot of unrest in the sand. Lucas Perez. Um, yeah, I mean, Lucas Perez, £16 million. I, I, I mean, I was extremely critical of, of that transfer when it happened. I got an awful lot of abuse on Twitter for it. And who's <laughs> right? You know, they ended up giving him, literally giving him to to West Ham United, £4 million, which is effectively uh, the, the, the value of the contract I had to pay up. So, you know, he... There were so many mistakes made in in the transfer market at Arsenal that, that remain. the the you know the the echoes of those are still being heard now uh, every time that the team plays. And you know, and it's not just about those positions either. There is something, something, something like a curse at Arsenal in terms of the, the the injuries because now they do have people who are there to 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 try and make sure the players stay fit and they can't do it, you know, because they're falling over with major, major ligament problems. You, know, you lose your best playing, full-playing centre-half in Rob Holding. You lose both your full-backs and you lose your centre-forward. You know, we're judging Emery on less than a third of the season w- in which he's had his centre-forward available for four games. Well, come on. I mean, that's that's a real, real issue for anyone because he does do that pressing. Yeah, there's lots of things he can't do. He's not the equal of now He's not. You know, I, mean, I don't really think that Aguero is as brilliant as people see him as. But you know, he, he doesn't do a lot of what Aguero does. I mean, he hits the target more often, but he does. He doesn't, he doesn't hit the target with quite the power and and the shot conversion rate that, that that Aguero does when he manages to. To, 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 to try and beat keeper. but yeah, you know, there's a lot that he can't do, but there is an awful lot that he does do that no one else in that forward line is capable of doing. And a lot of people want to introduce Ozil into the team. Well, if you've got Ozil and Aubameyang, who who is putting pressure on the opposition when they're un, when they've got the ball in that final third? Who who what are you what are you getting there? When they win the ball they just pass it straight through us because there isn't the the, the the passing lanes aren't being cut out. So. There's an awful, there's an awful lot that people want from from Unai Emery. I said, imagine there's an awful lot that Unai Emery wants that he's not able to deliver because of the, what he had at his disposal. You know, people are saying now, well, come on, the fullback. and they're saying this to me on Twitter. Come on, the fullbacks are back now. You've got Tinney, you've got Bellerin, they're available. Why aren't Arsenal winning every game? Well, you know, we saw on on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Saw how how Bellarin looked off the pace, massively off the pace. You know, he. he I mean, that vegan he had, diet
0: is not it's not helping him out, is it? <laughs> no, there's no locomotion he's, he's in those legs now.
1: It needs a hamburger. <laughs> of course it will, <laughs> of course it will. I mean, he's he's, he's, you know, he's, 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 he's he's for a lot of people that that ACL injury is an eighteen month injury, and he's he's had it eight ten months ago. So. It's going to be a long road back for him, and likewise for Holding. You know, a long road back, Tierney. You know, he's going to be moving gingerly with because he's had a, a double hernia. You know, it's, he, he's going to be a while before he feels strong mentally, psychologically. Apart from anything else, these injuries are hugely debilitating. So, you know, just because they've got their name on the back of the shirt and they're in, they're starting on the pitch doesn't mean they're the same player that we know them. So been demonstrably palpably we can just watch the evidence of our own eyes and see that they're not at, at races yet so to expect Uno Emery to be able to deliver you know points after points after points when when the, the team is is they're, they're not they're, they're not that good they're just not that good they lack the fundamental pivot role position they don't i just gets gets into that side because. He, he provides one through ball every game. That's what that's what Unai Emery wants. He's clearly playing that through ball football, which is they do more through balls at Arsenal than anybody, any other team in the Premier League, and they can be devastating if you've got players of the pace of of Van to get onto the end of them. You know that's why they bought David Louise, because he came with with. On, on the back of the season, where he's making 50 through balls the previous year, you know, I mean, that's extraordinary numbers for a centre back. So, these are, you know, it, it's it's fairly obvious from the data to me why what it is that the you know trying to achieve. He's playing, he's, he's conceding a lot of space. He's playing everything out of the back. He concedes possession because he wants to be able with those fast through balls to hit teams on the counter, and and that that makes sense to me. Unfortunately, it would be a hell of a lot easier to play that, that game if you had Wilfred Ndidi in the middle of the path, because he would be somebody who having conceded territory in possession would win it back, play it to to Dacker, who could then could then play it forward. If you get two ball-backs bombing on, you overload the opposition on the counter. It makes perfect sense. But it's very, very hard to to create that 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 template of football with the personnel that he has at his disposal. And I don't see the circle being square because I don't know where do you acquire a player like Indeed now? How do you go out there? I mean, is there a £500,000, £600,000 guy like Kante in that division of of French football? Well, we've got Z who's doing brilliantly for us from from that level. But you know, that's the kind of player they're going to have to find because they can't go out and buy Indeed now.
0: Where do you think he'll end up?
1: Um, that's a good
0: question, but he's not going to be at really Leicester long. Um, and, and, I mean, Leicester's really scouting department is something else. Leicester, Le, 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 the yeah. way Leicester, I know that. I mean, to, to be, to be fair, I mean, Leicester have been a, a sub 50 points team for the last two seasons. The turnaround there under Rogers, like whether it's sustainable through, across the season is a, another question, but, um, the turnaround job that he's done has been, has been something else.
1: Um, yeah, but you know, but that's not been difficult. That doesn't make him a master, you know, a, a, a master tactician or anything. I mean, all he's done is basically pander to Vardy. He saw that Vardy was the top man in that dressing room. He saw how Puel tried to face him down and ostracise him. He saw what that did to dressing room morale, and he decided to go the other way. And look, goodness me, what's he got? He's now got the best striker in the Premier League, and a team behind him that's functioning. Yeah, you know, it's not. That's not rocket science. It doesn't make him a master tactician. What it does is reflect that the, they were underperforming the quality of personnel they have. I look at the, the personnel at Arsenal, which you know, we know for years and years has been eroded in quality because of all the things that we've already discussed. I mean, Arsene Wenger's flaws, he refused... To, to adapt to, to, time, to, to, to the times. It didn't deliver uh, the, the data-led recruitment processes that have made Liverpool such an incredibly strong outfit now. You know, that, that's why Liverpool are so good, because they have a, a, a recruitment department that is extremely well-equipped in terms of its data analysis. And they have a manager who is 100% committed to that model. Arsenal didn't have for far too long everything everything went down the tubes
0: so this podcast actually went on for a little bit longer than we thought so um, I've broken it up into two Um, come back a little bit later for part two of the podcast with Matt Scott thanks for listening To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash TuneIn. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash in. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?